With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, and a warm, warm welcome as always. You know how we do. Welcome, 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 everybody. As always, we'd like to give you all a warm, warm welcome to today's show. I'm your host, of course, Faith, and you are live with us on Her Story 2. Welcome, everybody. Today, we have a special guest, Samantha Nero. He's here, to, he's here with us today. Um, we look forward to hearing from you as well. So you know how we do. I'm going to go ahead and give you those directions. As you know, we definitely look forward to taking your calls as always. We'd love to hear from you as well. So let me go ahead and give you the calling number, which is 515 that is the number to call. Remember, if you're calling from outside the U.S., you need to dial the U.S. country code. Then dial 515-602-9735, and that should get you right in. Okay, now, everybody, all of you on the call line, I want to give you a little warm, warm welcome. Remember, if you want to join in the conversation, you need to push one on your keypad, and that is my cue that you would like to join in the conversation. Okay. So welcome everybody, greetings everybody, the gates Christina, the Emma Hesklish, welcome, the gates Mia, hey Jack, welcome again. <laughs> you actually like listening to us, anyway, I will not make fun of you, welcome Jack, welcome everybody. Um, welcome to all our guests and um, one more welcome to all our Danish listeners as well, Gorde, everybody, before we get into the show, I want to just give out a big shout out to all of you and thank all our listeners. So we're going to go ahead and thank all our listeners and we'll start right in the U.S. because our special guest is from the U.S. So you have one of your own in the house. So big thanks to all our U.S. listeners. Um, you all be showing us mud love. We also want to give a special thank you to our listeners in Canada, in Nigeria, in Greece, in Italy, buongiorno, in France, bonjour, in the UK, I have to say the UK also showed us some mad, mad love, big up to all our listeners in the UK, in Norway, in Uganda, in Kenya, habarigani, karibukiti, 
um, in Switzerland and Belgium, of course, Denmark, right here where we are based. Big up to all our Danish listeners. Um, in Russia, India, Cambodia, Indonesia, in the Philippines, in Mexico, in Australia, Sweden, our neighbor right across the bridge. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's very near, by the way. In Germany, Bigates, um, in Spain, Mali, Cote d'Ivoire, Ivory Coast. Um, let me see who else is here. Ghana. Oh, Ghana. Y'all be showing us mud love as well. In Finland. And last but not least, Greece. So welcome, everybody. Thank you so much. We appreciate you all. Um, today, you're in for a treat. We have a special guest, founder and president of America Matters, Samantha Nero. She's here with us. So I think I see her on the line. Um, hello, Samantha. Hello, Faith. How are you? Hey, Samantha. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. I'm doing great. How about yourself? Excellent. Lovely day on the East Coast. You're in the East Coast. Is it Samantha yeah. or Sam? What do you prefer? Yeah, let's go with Sam. Let's go with Sam. It's uh, one syllable. Okay. And uh, makes it easy. <laughs> okay. Okay, perfect. Okay, <laughs> Sam. Well, welcome. Um, We're absolutely honored. It's a pleasure and an honor having you on our show today. Um, I'll tell you all a little bit about Sam before we dive right in. You know what we do best. We always run out of time. So we're going to do our best to stick, you know, to do our best to stick within our time. So I'll go ahead and tell you all a little bit about Sam. Sam brings a combination of over 25 years of civilian and military experience in directing international policy and management programs to America Matters. As an Army paratrooper assigned to the 18th Airborne Corps, Sam was one of the first women to deploy to Desert Shield, Desert Storm. Big up, Sam. Go for it. Congratulations on that one. Um, her later mobilizations include Operation Enduring Freedom in Bosnia, um, the Global War on Terror, and the Operation Iraqi Freedom, where she was injured. Okay. So sorry about that. Um, Medvaced um, med to Walter Reed Army Medical Center as a wounded warrior, and she retired with the rank of Lieutenant Colonel. Okay. So she's a native of Bakersfield, California, and a graduate of Rutgers University. That is Sam. But what I haven't told you all is Sam is also an advocate against FGM. So she also has a really interesting um, organization and an amazing initiative um, called Stop FGM. So I think we'll just touch right there, y'all, because, um, I mean, we yeah, she has an amazing... Uh, you want to know a little bit about, about what it is to be in the military? No, y'all. Y'all are good at making us digress. You're not going to do that today, but we can. Some maybe we should start with... Maybe you can tell us a little bit about your work and, you know, your military background since we have curious listeners as well and um, how you came about, you know, how you landed doing FGM as an advocate for FGM. I'll do that uh, because it really does tie in my military time, my civilian time, and what I'm doing now. Uh, so, yeah, I was a paratrooper jumping out of airplanes back in the 80s. I went to Desert Storm. One of the things that I saw immediately in Saudi was the way women were treated. I looked around. Women weren't driving cars. I was actually run off the road by a Saudi man, angry, just angry as could be, because I was driving. You know, he was waving a pistol and didn't want me driving a car. I saw women 
beaten on the side of the road. I saw children who just looked so sad and dejected. And I thought, there's got to be more here. There are things that I don't understand that are happening here that's causing this. And so I continued to look into that and work on that throughout my military career, my civilian career. And when I retired in 2013, and like you had said, I was medevaced out of Baghdad. I was injured. Too many uh, rockets, bombs, bullets, and bodies. And I came back here with a, an ankle in- injury and post-traumatic stress disorder. I went through a fantastic recovery program here in the United States at Walter Reed Medical Center. And that gave me even more insight into what people go through in other countries. I've been to many. I've seen many things happen. And I've always wanted to help. And now it's an opportunity to help little girls around the world and here in the United States. Well, let's hope that we can stop this because that's what we need to do. And where we can't stop it, I love that. where yeah. it's already happened, mm-hmm. we need to provide a pathway to wellness for these girls who grow into the women who, these are the women who make up the world we live in. And if they've been injured with this, by this, then they need support, whether that's physical support, different types of therapies, emotional support, and also dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder. Because when you undergo something that's that traumatic, when something is cut off, usually without anesthetic, that's, that's a terrible trauma for the body and the mind. Yeah, and the humiliation as well. There's so many impacts. There's the physical, sexual, mental. It's just a really, it's a bombshell. And and I, I like the way you put it. You know, you said it's, it's just got to stop. And I was just thinking as you were talking, when did you first hear about FGM and what was your reaction? Because um, sometimes this is something that some people, believe it or not, don't even know about it. I don't know how. I don't know where they live, but they don't. And I'm just curious, um, when did you first hear about it, FGM, and what was your reaction? Yes. I heard about female genital mutilation a number of years ago, and my reaction, I cried. It wasn't, I mean, I was angry, Mm. I was hurt, I was upset, but I cried. And I cried for these little girls because I just thought, oh, my goodness, what these children are going through. And it hurt my heart. And it really guided what I wanted to do. So when I started America Matters, and America Matters is it's an organization that focuses on issues people care about, not the party or politics. We don't get involved in politics. I know, I know that's kind of a tough order because if you follow American news, everything is political. People are either on the right or the left pointing fingers at each other That's not what we do. We are right in the middle. We're a centrist organization, and we focus on the issues. What do people care about? One thing people care about is taking care of children, protecting our little girls. And also, even though this is happening to our little girls, this is happening, it has a secondary effect on the little boys around them and then the men they grow into being. Because when we do this to the girl child, We're hurting the entire community of people they live in and the global global community as well. 
Yeah, I totally agree with you. And the impact it has on their relationships, their marriages. You know, we had a show, um, was it this week, last week, and um, we had a guest who was talking about FGM, and she gave a little bit of the insight into the challenges that women have in their marriages, in their relationships. It's there, it, it follows you throughout your life. So it's very important that, like, you know, we'll touch on to the three Ps, you know, as we move ahead, you know, prevention, protection, and persecution, and why prevention is very important. But um, when you mentioned in the U.S., I think that's not the first thing that comes into someone's mind when you talk about female genital mutilation. Some of you know it as female circumcision. But increasingly, I read something, you know, somewhere on, on social media that young women from the U.S., are increasingly at a risk of this, you know, I, I call it this dangerous practice, you know, FGM. And, um, and there's a campaign called vacating cutting. I don't know if you've heard of that, but I just found it very interesting that there's a campaign in the U.S. and clearly you're part of it. Tell us a little bit about your work with, in the U.S. and how this has not been a topic for so long, you know, because we don't look at the, you know, we don't consider it happening in the U.S. We don't know about it. You know, it's quite new to a lot of us. You're absolutely right, Faith. And that's exactly what has been happening. Even now, when I talk about female genital mutilation with people, most people respond with something like, oh, gosh, I've heard about that. That's so sad. I'm so glad it doesn't happen here. That's not true. Mm-hmm. It is happening here in the United States and in countries around the world. So what we have to do is look at this as, a problem we need to resolve and a problem for the global community to also focus on, resolve this, find the solutions to help. And like, and I really like the way you talk about the three Ps. I like that because it's not just prevention. It's not just prosecution. Mm-hmm. It's the entire gamut of all three areas. Yeah, all three complex areas. You know, I don't, you know, when we say the three Ps, you know, I know the three Ps from when I worked in human trafficking, and I know the complexity of these three Ps, you know, because you're dealing with people, you know, betrayal from their family members, the conflict they have in persecuting people who are close to them. You know, it's so complex. It's not just, oh, come, it's okay, somebody did wrong and prosecute. They are in conflict with a lot of things, a lot of factors, family, legal, migration, there's so many things. But from the perspective of FGM, how do you approach this, these three Ps? Do you do the, I don't know. Do they work independently? Do you, do you work with them, you know, incrementally? How, how do you work in these areas? How do you, what approach do you use when working with the three Ps? Well, we have a very, very full-faceted approach to this. What, what <laughs> I've done is with America Matters, we launched the hashtag Stop FGM campaign in May of, in May of last year, this year actually, 2017. Okay. When, and we moved up our, our stock. We were going to launch this program in 2018. But when the doctor in Michigan was arrested on female genital mutilation charges, we knew we needed to launch our program immediately so that we could bring attention to this and bring attention to this, the case that's happening here in the United States. Because like we've talked about, most people, if they do know about this, they think it doesn't happen in the United States. 
And when we can show that it happens here, then what we're doing, it's not about just making it a, a, an American issue. It's making America part of the world issue. And then people can get engaged mm-hmm. and involved. So what we did is we started reaching out to other people, organizations, activists, doctors, lawyers, uh, scholars, survivors. And right now we have got an enormous coalition. We're well over 30 members in our coalition. And those are people and organizations working together. Congratulations. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. It's, it's been quite yeah, a it's just a huge achievement because this is a very sensitive area. You know, we are coming, you're coming into people's homes, you know, into their privacy. They're talking about, you know, something that is so private. So it, it's really, a, it's, I mean, you should be, it's a good, it's good, good achievement. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Faye. It's important because yeah. by doing yeah. this, what we're doing is we're building a coalition of people who care about this. And this is a coalition that crosses all boundaries, you know, different religions, different ethnicities, different people, different countries. We've got people not just here in the United States, but people around the world engaged in this coalition. Because when we unite our voices, we can make one voice louder when it's got the power of many behind it. So if this is one victim, one survivor talking about what happened to her and how passionate she is, Oh, I'm thinking specifically of, you know, Hebo Wadere. She's in the UK. She's one of our coalition members. And she is a powerful advocate in this fight to stop female gender mutilation. So now it's not just her one voice. It's her one voice backed by many others. And we can get this message out, help inform people. The other part of this is to provide an opportunity for people from the different communities affected by this to be empowered Mm -hmm. to go into their communities where the case here in the United States that's in the Detroit area, the doctors from the Dowdy Bora Mm -hmm. sect, it's a Muslim sect uh, originated in India Mm -hmm. to talk to the Dowdy Bora community about female gender mutilation is much more powerful when that's done by somebody, an activist, from the Dowdy Bora community themselves because they understand, they have a different level of understanding, the cultural, religious, traditional implications of all of this. And people can then relate better. So providing an opportunity for to build a coalition and then for the coalition to then reach out to the communities affected and to the greater populace as well, then we're putting the right people in the right place with the right message at the right time. Yeah. I mean, that. I think that that is, um, I think, because, I mean, I'm originally from Kenya, and one of the tribes in Kenya practices FGM. And what we have seen has been, um, you know, has been quite um, a progressive approach is when, you, you don't use that kind of, those negative terms. This is horrible. This is, you know, you make it look like, oh, my God, you know, you're, it almost looks like you're attacking the culture. But instead, you use a more sensitive approach. You know, you, you use what matters to them, their health. 
you know, you tell them about the physical implications of this. You make, explain to them about, you know, you know, maternal health, you know, and all these other things. That we saw was much more, um, they were more, much more receptive. And I think there's been quite progress with that approach. So I understand, um, I think the approach that you're taking, having someone in the community who understands that culture and can speak that language, I think goes a long way. And as you were talking, someone put a comment and they, they asked this question. I get, I get it all the time, but I'm going to share it with you because I think your perspective is very important. And this is a question, um, Dankish and Christina, this is a question about religion. Is FGM a religious thing? Is it religious, is it a re- religious yeah. practice? Mm. Yeah, that's a great, that is a great question, Faith. And thank you, Christina. I appreciate that question because so many people try to attribute this to religion. It's not. This is a cultural and traditional practice that has been carried on for centuries in many different cultures. Now, some people will say that they're doing this because of their religion. Some people will cite that type of reasoning but that's not what it is because there is no religion. And this crosses all religions. I mean, this is you know, Jewish, Christian, Catholic, Muslim, many different religions. Those are just a few. And there's nothing in those religions that dictates that this must be done. That being said, there are people who will say, oh, but this is what our religion expects of us. Just because people mm-hmm. are saying that, just because the cultures have carried those traditions forward, that doesn't actually make that accurate. But it is accurate to say that this is a cultural and traditional practice. Even more importantly, whether somebody considers it cultural, traditional, or religious, there's no justification whatsoever, and it needs to stop. Yeah, and, and I'm just thinking, you know, when you're working with such a sensitive issue, with a culture and tradition that people hold so dear to them, it's a time when the communities come together and, you know, they celebrate. And, you know, some use it as a rites of passage. Um, how, how do you approach such a community that holds this tradition and, 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 and this festival, as I have been told it is sometimes, they've told me this is not, Something negative, say, this is a time when we have a festival to celebrate our women. How do you then intervene without feeling like you're intruding? Um, well, that's how would you do that? Yeah, and that's a great perspective to carry forward because tradition and culture are very important. They're important to all of us in very many different ways. So when we're talking about a tradition, inside a culture that is harmful to women. And and I'd like to go back and touch on what you said a moment ago about how we talk about female genital mutilation because it's really important to understand that most of the people who are doing this, they don't see it as this heinous crime. They don't see it as this horrible mutilation that they're hurting their girl children. They don't see that. They're coming, most of these people are, no, they're coming from a place of love, care, concern. They want to make sure that their, the marriage opportunities are provided for their little girls, that if they don't do this, no man wants to marry them, that they're protecting their purity, their chastity, their virginity. In many cultures, they believe that 
if this is not done, a woman cannot have children. In fact, the exact reverse is true. When this is done, it puts both the mother and the baby at risk during delivery. It causes many health Huge problems. risk. Mm. Oh, terrible yeah. risk. Very many. And the health Many. The list is long. Mm-hmm. It is. And so, you know, going back to where we were when we're talking about how do we get this, how do we get the change implemented? Because that's really what this is about. How do we make these changes? How do we help people understand that what they've been doing for centuries is, in fact, harmful, not helpful? And I think that's where we need mm-hmm. to start, is focusing on harmful. Yeah. Because when yeah. we focus, because when we focus I was on that harmful piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. When we focus on that harmful. Oh. Mm-hmm. When we focus on the harmful piece, then we can look at what's happening to the girl child and the women they grow into being. We can focus on that. We can focus on the health and the wellness of the women in our communities and not focus on the negative, the hurtful, the act. We also do do need to, again, criminalize this process. Just like child abuse, sexual abuse, and other forms of abuse are by law, They're, they're specified as violations of law with criminal penalties. We need to do that same thing for female genital mutilation. We need to help the communities doing this, help them understand that they're hurting their girls, not helping them. Yeah, and when you were talking about criminalizing it, you know, my, my, my mind just jumped to the prosecution. And I was, I was just thinking back at the difficulties of getting somebody prosecuted when the whole community thinks that the practice is fine, it's okay, it's something, it's a sense of pride that brings pride and dignity and respect to the family. And in a lot of these countries where FGM takes place, it's been, you know, it's actually a criminal act, but they still do it um, with almost zero to no repercussions. What do you think um, would make um, how do I put it? What do you think would make the community understand that it is important for them to abide by the law, per se, for lack of better words, or criminalize it or get the people who are doing this persecuted? Caring, informed people who are willing to stand up mm-hmm. and say no to female genital mutilation because it may start with one person in a community but then one more person is going to mm-hmm. hear the message and they're going to say, oh, she's right. We shouldn't be doing this. And then the next person says, oh, I heard him talking about this. And really, we shouldn't be doing this. We can stop this because it's a ripple effect. It's like throwing a, pot, a pebble on a pond. And it's this ripple that continues moving outward. We start with few and we grow to many. And when that many becomes so huge, with such a loud voice talking about this that it cannot be ignored, that these communities can then hear about the harm they're actually causing, not the help, but the harm. And that's where we make some of the changes. And it's possible. I do believe that this is something we can do now. It is possible. I believe that we can actually save a lot of progress. It is very, very possible. And in Kenya alone, I can tell you that the progress is Amazing. 
it's amazing and um and um it is it can be done and um like you said i agree with you that the community has to buy in and really understand and have kind of almost like a shift in their mindset that this is harmful it's not something that you know whatever they believe is you know it brings dignity and you know they're really serious health um implications and life it's life threatening girls die from this practice it's not a joke um Okay, our guests are asking, um, there's a question, okay, this is a question, but I'm just going to put it all together because not just one person asked this, but they seem not to get the grasp <laughs> that this happens in the U.S., so they're like, but where in the U.S.? And, 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 and one says, he's from California, so <laughs> I guess I introduced you from Bakersfield, California, but they're saying, where in the U.S. does this happen? And it's happening in states across how long the United has it been States. Yeah. It's been happening and it's well, been happening for many years. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Samantha. Ah, I was so this has been happening for many years. Uh even here in the United States, one of the things that's not well known is that this procedure has been done on white American Christian women. There is a very well-known activist here in the United States, Renee Bergstrom, who she's in her 70s. This was done to her when she was three years old. It wasn't done as a religious, cultural, or traditional thing. This was done because a doctor convinced her parents that this would be a good thing for her and this happens to many, has happened to many other women. Now, at the time, it was treated as, or it was done as a treatment for hysteria. Now, fortunately, this is a practice that stopped here in the United States in the 1950s. We were able to see it, identify it, and stop it. So this is not a legal pr- procedure here in America because it was seen as something that was not needed. There was no medical necessity to it, which is one of the things that's put out it's misinformation about this, where the people who are in support of female genital mutilation say that this is, this is helpful, uh, it's a good procedure, it helps keep women cleaner. It, we've talked about a number of these other reasons. Now, that's one part, a piece of the American history in this. But then there's another part of it where there's an influx of danger to girls here in America because we, we are bringing in many immigrants. We're, we're white, we're open, and we welcome people who come to the United States, and we should be welcoming to people. I mean, that's who we are as a country. So welcome here, embrace our laws, and live here in good health and happiness. When some of these people come over and they carry their old world traditions with them and they continue to do things that they did in their countries of origin, that's why we're seeing such a, such a high number. And the number is outrageously high. The Center for Disease Control put out a report in 2016 that over 500,000 little girls are at risk of undergoing the procedure or have had it done to them already? Uh, in the U.S. alone. In the U.S. alone. In the U.S. 
Yeah, because there are millions globally. But, you know, as I'm just listening to you, and I'm also quite surprised because I didn't know to which extent, you know, it's happening in the U.S. Because a lot of times I think also when you look at the U.N., you know, research and a lot of the research out there, it focuses mostly on sub-Saharan Africa or, you know, Pakistan, India, Afghanistan. You know, that's where most of the research is centered around you know, and we don't hear about the U.S. And I think it's a huge dis- disservice to all the survivors, you know, of FGM in the U.S. who are kind of being left out or being ignored and people are not speaking out about it. You know, I- I'm-, I'm quite, uh, wow. Okay. And that's what we're trying to help. Yeah. We're trying to be part of the solution here because we see the problem and you can see the problem where and I'm so happy that you're talking about this problem and helping other people, other people see this. What we can do is when we raise the awareness and then help people know here in the United States that this is happening, it's happening here, it's happening right now. And then what we do through America Matters is we provide opportunity, actions for people to get involved. People can join the coalition, the hashtag Stop, Co- Stop FGM Coalition. People can, we provide opportunities to reach elected representatives. If, say, there is a bill on the floor that's going to be voted on, we, can let, pe- we let people know about that, provide the information they need so that they can reach their either state representatives or federal representatives and say, Stop FGM. And we do that through social media. Mm -hmm. And we do that through Mm -hmm. a number of different means, you know, through our website, through America Matters Now on Facebook, because we're building a community of caring people. And when people care, they they want to do something. So we are providing actionable things people can do. So they can be part, everyone can be part of this. You want to know how we stop it? People. We join arms, we leave arms, fire together. Absolutely. And that's how we stop this. Say it again for those who missed it and don't want to push the rewind button. Please say it again. (laughs) All right. The way we stop this, (laughs) and we can stop it, Mm -hmm. is it's people. It's all of you. And everyone coming together, linking arms, standing tall, and with a very loud voice in unison saying, stop female genital mutilation, stop FGM. And that's why we have an open coalition, the hashtag stop FGM coalition for people to join, to be, to be members, to get information about this, find out ways that they can engage on this topic, things they can do to help. And let me just a, a quick shout out to your listener in California I'm working with a victim who is American-born, and it was, this was done to her here in the United States, and she's from California. So it does happen yeah. everywhere. In Michigan right now, the doctor who was arrested in Detroit, in the Detroit area, she was arrested because two little girls from Minnesota were transported across state lines into Michigan where that, this doctor did this procedure after hours in a, in a clinic. Mm. So yeah. we know and, it's and that's what awareness Michigan. does. Mm-hmm. It, it, that's yeah. exactly what it does. 
It's not a joke. Really Don't important. underestimate the power of awareness and knowledge. You have to know there's a problem. Then you can start to put together your brain and, you know, your resources and your skills to figure out what next. But if you don't even know there's a problem, if you don't even know this exists, I know many of you really are surprised. I can see what you all are writing. You're surprised it happens in the U.S., and I don't blame you. Myself, I'm getting a lot of, I'm getting a lot of information right now. I'm, I'm also learning a lot today. Because like she's saying, you know, Samantha is putting things, she's putting it so in a very simple way for everybody. It just starts with you. It's very simple because you're the parent of a potential child, you know, who could be a victim of FGM. But if you have the knowledge, then you know this is wrong. And no matter what reasons or excuses you're given, it's quite harmful. And um, um, some, maybe you can just tell us what are some of the most challenging parts um, of working with FGM? Emotional pain. Knowing that other people... Mm. Other women have experienced this pain, and that pain extends not only – it's not just about them, because this extends to their own families, their relationships. Mm -hmm. I mean, this interferes with a woman's health, sex, uh, her relationships. This interferes with every aspect of a woman's life. And so to know that that's happening and then to to work with that, and our entire team – I mean, I'm talking about – very passionate people who care so much about this, men and women who want this to stop. And so we talk to survivors, we talk to the doctors, lawyers, the advocates, all of the people in this coalition. And so we're very deep, very engaged in this. And when being engaged in a topic that is this emotionally painful, we have our own emotional pain because we can feel this and we care so much Exactly. It's tough. Mm-hmm. I'm just. I'm going to be honest. It's. Um, it's tough. It's tough for my staff, but not one single person has wavered. Not one single person has taken a step backward. I've got a team of people who are charging forward. I'm. I am in awe of the people I work with. I've got a team of people who are absolutely magnificent, and you know, the men who are against FGM, the women against FGM, and we're talking all religions, cultures, sexual ethnicity, or sexual orientation, ethnicity, are all present on our America Matters staff engaged in this and in the greater hashtag Stop FGM Coalition as well. Um, and it's tough. Yeah. It's also And men are quite thing. key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another mm-hmm. tough mm-hmm. thing is sometimes mm-hmm. the, the change is a little slower, okay, I'll admit, a lot slower than we would like. Mm-hmm. We want to see change immediately. We, we, we think every state in the United States should have a law banning female genital mutilation. That's not the case. You don't have laws banning female genital mutilation in the U.S. Well, it's let, legal. Me, it's a legal let me take a minute with that. Let me take a minute with that. Yeah. In 1996, the United States... Mm-hmm. Had, that brought the law in to stop female genital mutilation with a prison sentence of five years. So there is a federal law that has criminalized female genital mutilation. In the, fall, in the following years, 26 states have also brought in the legislation to stop female genital mutilation. 
That means 24 states do not have wow. laws on the books. So what that means is FGM is prosecuted under, say, child abuse or a general assault charge. It's prosecuted under other things in those states. And it's important that the states have the laws because the federal law comes into play when there are two or more states involved. If it just happens in one state that does not have a law, there's no reason for the federal law to come into play. Just like the case in in Detroit that we've been talking about, the reason that they were arrested, the reason this became a case is because the two girls from Minnesota, they crossed state lines Mm -hmm. to go into Michigan for this procedure. That was a violation of interstate commerce. So yeah, it's more complicated yeah. okay. than just one simple law. Yes, we have a federal law. And back in 96, it was punishable with five years in prison. In 2017, just a few weeks ago, additional legislation was introduced, and now it's punishable by 15, one five, 15 years of prison. Wow. So it's being taken wow. very seriously. But we've got work to do in the states to make sure that it's identified for what it is. Yeah. But forward is forward. Yeah. Forward is forward. But that's quite interesting. I mean, y'all, if you're in the U.S., I mean, I don't know how it works in the U.S., whether you sign petitions, you know, or what, you know, to make something into law. But, you know, she told you where you can get information, you know, go on social media, you know, America Matters. Um, stop FGM is the hashtag. I'm sure if you just put that or you just, you just find her as Samantha Narrow, you know, and contact her and find out how you can make this a law if you really want to do something. We, have it, we, could, we don't even have time to go through the list of the health implications, the long-term effects, but death is one of them. And so this is not a joke. And so, you know, you should support that. Absolutely, you should support that. Um, We have um, a minute or two on the show, Samantha, believe it or not. And um, just before we head out of here, what do you wish people to know about FGM? And what would you like them to take away today? The things that there are only a few, and that is Mm -hmm. the most important thing to take away is that female genital mutilation is harmful to little girls. That's really the most important thing because when we understand that, and I think we can all agree on that, the rest follows. Then we can start reaching out to the communities and providing you know, the education and the training to help the communities understand this is harmful, not helpful to little girls. But we start with FGM is harmful to little girls. It's also important for people to know here in the United States, if they're in one of those 24 states, they have an opportunity to change the world. Because if they engage with us in our legislative program, we are working with the states, helping to initiate bills. When people know about that, let's say that there is a, a vote. Let's say that somebody in Alabama sponsors a bill or Washington State, those are two states that do not currently have FGM laws, then we can reach out to people in Washington 
or Alabama or Hawaii and move people to call their representatives so that we can actually get the legislation in place, put the laws in place to stop this. But laws alone are not the answer. It's education in the community. No. So three things. Yeah. There's know, a lot of things. Know that yeah. this is harmful. Yeah. The need for state legislation and the need for caring and concerned education for these communities. To do this from a place yeah. of care and concern, not hostility and insult. Absolutely. And that's just, I mean, you've ended it beautifully. Do it from a place of care and concern, really. And I don't know what to say. Thank you so much. I know we want to look more into that because you've really opened up a huge box um, that we did not know. We didn't know a lot about that. You've shared a lot of good new insights into FGM, especially in the U.S. Not many people knew it happened there. So thank you so much, Samantha, Sam. Thank you so much, Sam, for joining us on the show today. It's a pleasure and an honor. You're always welcome to come back. Um, I, I still have a whole lot of questions, and there are a whole lot of questions as well from our listeners and our chatters and everybody. But, y'all, we can't take them all. So maybe we'll do that another day. Thank you so much, Sam. Well, and you're always welcome you, to babe. come back. I look forward okay. to it. Okay, have a good day. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.